Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Jeff Byers. Jeff, it is time to talk some Penn State football. 63-7 to against Delaware. And I'll tell you what, typically you play a game like this against a team like Delaware, it's hard to come out of it feeling like feeling really good about it, looking impressive. But I think Penn State actually accomplished that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to feel good about coming out of the game. One is just the ability of Penn State to put together sustained drives, get a lot of different guys into the game throughout the course of the game. Drew Aller continues to be everything we thought he could be and and maybe even a little more. His ability to just distribute the football and make the right reads is really impressive. And listen, I think at the end of the day, they did wait – you probably should expect them to do against a team from uh, FCS, but they did it in impressive fashion. And again, to me, the biggest benefit was getting uh, some of those younger kids, uh, not just action, but good action. And I think it should help this team, which we already felt was pretty deep, uh, have more confidence in that depth and what it can do if needed uh, and called upon later in the season. Let's start at the top, the obvious place. Let, let's get into detail with Drew Aller. You mentioned we had such high expectations for him, but as you said, he potentially has exceeded it. But the interesting thing to me is he hasn't exceeded it with that huge arm beating people downfield like we expected. It's really, he's done it just the opposite. Yeah, and I like the fact that Penn State just threw some other things in there. The flea flicker and and all of that stuff, I think, is just good to get on tape, give teams something else to think about uh, later in the season. And even with all that, yeah, I'm with you, Jim. I think this team has really, through the first two games here, been... Vanilla is not quite the the right term, but I don't think they have opened up the playbook anywhere near to the degree they could and will in in games later this season. So I I just think, again, we're two games in, and I don't think West Virginia is going to light the world on fire and you beat an FCS team. I get it. Uh, And I'm not going to get carried away and make any grand proclamations just yet, but it is hard not to have really good feelings about what this team has done through the first two games and what it has set itself up to do and accomplish during the course of this season, which again, had very high expectations from the get-go. My expectation going in of Drew Aller was all the, he's a big, big kid, 6'5", 245, huge arm, could make all the throws, I thought going in, the variable was those other things that you wouldn't know about until he's starting getting all of the reps in plays that matter. And what has amazed me is it feels like he hasn't even, he hasn't given in to that temptation to show off the big arm. Instead, 
he's saying, you know what, I'm going to hit the open receiver. And I thought it was fascinating looking at the post-game stats. There was only one pass, and he threw 26 of them. He only completed one pass for over 20 yards. One. And that tells me you're seeing a maturity there that you don't expect from a first-time starter who has that big an arm. If I were him, I'd be wanting to chuck the ball all over the place, down the field, and he has resisted that temptation. That, to me, demonstrates a maturity that I I didn't know that we would see, certainly not in his first couple games, though. Yeah, and I think that I, I really like the approach that they are just taking with the offense here. Again, I don't think they're getting carried away that we've got to get everything out uh out of the gate here on film for opposing teams or anything. Again, they're throwing just enough in and have enough different wrinkles that I think it it is going to keep teams guessing a little bit. But again, I don't think we're seeing anywhere near just yet uh, what this offense is is really capable of. And the other thing I really liked about Saturday with Aller, and you know, we had talked about it. Neither of us were uh, especially concerned about the tight ends and the lack of involvement in that first game. But clearly there, there was a uh, very intentional <laughs> uh, involvement of the tight ends in this game. And I think part of that is, again, the coaches just want to make sure uh, that they, they have everything that they think they have working the way they want it to be working when we get to the meat of the schedule. And truthfully, I thought going into the season that this coming week would be the start of the meat of the schedule. Uh, I don't think that, and listen, I, you know, you never take anything for granted, and I'm not saying Illinois is a walkover, uh, and obviously they're going to be uh, dialed in, I suspect, after the loss to Kansas, but boy, that, that is not the Illinois team that I was expecting to see early in the season, and it sure feels like Penn State should win that game pretty comfortably, and then maybe we get into the meat of the schedule uh, with the uh, the whiteout game in Iowa. and also. You mentioned about getting the tight ends involved. I think there was very much a conscious effort there. And we'll get to the running backs in a second because I think there was also a conscious effort there to get the, give the ball to Catron Allen. We spent much of the offseason talking about who's number one, who's number two, who's number three among the receivers. And I'm beginning to think it doesn't really matter that there's enough different players to get involved and let me give you what I, I I love looking at the statistics after the game to see little things. Here's one for you. Keandre Lambert-Smith, Tyler Warren, Trey Wallace, Dante Cephas, Theo Johnson, Liam Clifford. You got to look at that. That's a half dozen guys as your top targets, okay? These are the guys that Drew Aller was throwing to. He targeted them 21 times. That's the meat of who we threw the ball to. He was 21 for 21 throwing to those six receivers. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, because I'm not a football expert, but I think that's a pretty good uh, record there. That's not too shabby. I'm going to have to agree with you. It is also, again, just that feel that, that he has. He sees the field. He makes his reads, and he delivers the football. I mean, he does everything, and – on the surface, that probably sounds like, well, yeah, no kidding. That's what a quarterback's supposed to do. Sure, but how many do you know that 
truly do that, that make the reads, make the right read, and then deliver the ball accurately, consistently. And I'm talking that's about as consistent as you can get there uh, in the, the game against Delaware. And listen, again, I'm not ready to proclaim Drew Aller as a Heisman candidate just yet, but boy, I don't know how you can't be impressed, regardless of the competition, through the first two games with what you're seeing from him. The the one thing I will say that maybe I don't even think it's a concern, it's just an unanswered question yet, is what what happens when you get a defense that gets really good pressure on him? And obviously, if you're Penn State, you're hoping we never find out and that the offensive line uh, holds up fantastically all throughout the season. But uh, and I and again, I, it's not really a concern for me. It's just something that until you see it done in a big time game, you don't know with certainty how Drew Aller is going to react. I feel pretty confident. I know how he's going to react and I think he'll make the right decision, make the quick throw, get rid of it, do all the things that he, he needs to do, because we, I do think we've seen enough through two games that, you know, this guy is a good decision maker. He trusts the receivers that he has. And his ability to see the field is the thing that, to me, is just really impressive through the first two games. Maybe, to me, the most impressive thing uh, to this point in the season of the many impressive things is, is his ability to just see the field, make the right decision, and deliver the ball on target and trust that his guys are going to make the the play. Um Every now and then you're going to have a miscommunication. You had one, uh, I think, on Saturday where the receiver turned uh, in and Aller was expecting him to go up. I obviously don't know with certainty who who made the mistake there. But, boy, for the most part, through two games, it, it is really impressive uh, the degree to which these guys are on the same page. And the other thing is, Jim, I, I think you have to feel good if you're a Penn State fan James Franklin talking about how he didn't hear a peep from the tight ends after the first game, that they weren't getting the the targets, not from them, not from their families. Uh, I think, you know, the same thing with the running backs. Everything that we thought this team was going to be in terms of leadership and chemistry, again, through two games, boy, it sure seems like uh, everybody was right on target, that this is a, a team that has the makings of something special, uh, because of the physical abilities, for sure, but also because of the the culture, if you want to call it that, or just the chemistry uh, and the selflessness that I think uh, throughout the program uh, permeates. And, and I think it is a big deal. I think it's why this team does have a chance to do something really special this season. You make a real good point, I think, when you talk about that, like the tight ends not being targeted. And this kind of ties into... My earlier question, could it just be the point that, my goodness, there's so many targets now. We were worried about the wide receivers, but now it's not you have your 1A, 1B, and then good luck. It's, boy, there's eight different targets when you count a couple tight ends and maybe six wide receivers, and no one is going to be that guy that's that's where I'm going to go with most of my passes because I have eight targets I could possibly throw to. I'll throw to the open guy. Well, the other thing that I love, yes. And then 
add on to that, just to go back to the selflessness and the uh, the understanding of the the team chemistry component. Keandre Lambert Smith threw a couple of terrific blocks on on Saturday. The receiving core as a whole has been really good blocking through the first couple of games. Ty Warren, for as great as he was receiving the ball, had a better day blocking. You go back and look at his game and some of the holes he helped open up. I mean, wow. And how about Katron Allen basically carrying the ball the whole way down on, on one of those early drives? And then he had he and Warren had the two key blocks on Singleton going into the end zone. That is special stuff that that is happening in terms of, again, these guys not not caring whether they get the spotlight, just caring about the result. It's a great point. That's the kind of chemistry. I'm not sure if winning creates chemistry or chemistry creates winning, but they both go hand in hand. That is it for quarter number one. We'll pick up this conversation in quarter two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to quarter number two of the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Jeff Byers. I'm Jim Galante. We are talking Penn State football in general, specifically Penn State-Delaware game. We spent a lot of time talking about Drew Aller, the passing game. Just one last note. You were talking about the wide receivers doing the blocking. And there's probably no more sign of good team chemistry, I think, than wide receivers making those blocks down the field. And that's also where there were big plays. You mentioned Keandre Lambert-Smith. There was actually the point where he seemed to twist his ankle a little bit and came out for a couple plays. It wasn't even downfield. He was like in the middle of the scrum. Yes. Blocking when he twisted his ankle. And that's, again, an indicator of the depth that I don't think you see that and go, oh, no, what do they do now? A Dante Cephas comes in to replace him. Not a bad sub, is he? How about it? And across the board, I I was really kind of zeroed in. We've gotten to know Nick Dawkins a little bit. Just uh, he helps out with my wife's foundation with some things. And so... When I saw him get into the game, I just kind of wanted to focus on him a little bit. And I I will tell you, and it wasn't just him, but across the board, the guys that that got in, and there were a lot of them, again, I thought did a a very good job and followed through. The the one thing, again, you'd say, listen, of course, against Delaware, they're going to be able to hold their blocks. And Fair enough. I'm not going to dispute the point that that is a team that you should be able to go out and control. But I did think uh, uh, the reserves as a whole just did a really good job of, again, not just clearing the hole, but staying on that block and finishing plays off. Uh, And I just think 
it is a big deal when you, when you are dominant against somebody that you are still focused on what it is you need to do and you don't get sloppy because you know you you, you probably can afford to in a game like this. And I think, uh, again, across the board, both sides of the ball, I thought Penn State just did a really good job of taking care of business and focusing on what they could control and making themselves uh, better. And I think, as as you said, I think they got better Saturday. And that's not always an easy thing to do when you have competition that you're clearly uh, overmatching. And I, I just think Penn State did a really good job of, of staying focused on making the improvements. And I, th- I think this team is as ready as it could be to begin Big Ten play through two weeks of the season. And Jeff, in talking about that depth and the backups coming in and playing, I've been m- known to make a wager or two on some college football games. Yes, I know that may surprise you, may shock you, but it is true. Now, one of the things that I hesitate with is placing a wager on a game that's a mismatch like this one. It took a long time for them to come out with the spread, and when they did, I think it was like 42 points. Now, I had no doubt Penn State was at least 42 points better than Delaware, but the problem with this kind of game is the starters are 42 points better. You know, at halftime, it was, what, 35 to 7. So it's like, okay, just staying at this pace or close to it, they're going to cover that spread. But the problem is what happens when the backups come in? And maybe even if they're physically better than the opponent, they're still less, they don't get as many reps in practice. There's just not as in sync. Well, these backups, they won the second half, if you want to put it that way. 28 to nothing. So I think that shows very well for the backups at a point when I think Delaware was still playing a lot of their starters, and I would expect that from them. They should. So I think that's an indicator of the depth, seeing these guys come in and perform efficiently. So that that was all very nice to see. And yes, they covered the spread. So, they did so. indeed 2-0 and against the spread this season, Jim, for those that are paying attention. One other quick point on that too, Jim, though, yeah. is, you know, and this all ties together again with the leadership and the team chemistry, but I, I was watching the sidelines a bit while, as especially in that third quarter, and those starters were into it. And I, I mean, genuinely into it, rooting on the their backups and, you know, in some cases, some, some uh, you know, third team and younger kids that it wasn't that they were sitting back on the bench and, Hey, I've, I've done my job, uh, you know, whatever, let's, uh, let's get ready to celebrate tonight or, or anything like that. Like they were in there uh, talking with the, the, you know, their teammates as they came off the field. I, I just, I don't want to get carried away with it, but I just, I love everything I'm seeing on this team in terms of what you want to see uh, and, and what you do see from championship teams uh, in terms of the, the chemistry and the leadership. And, and I just think in, in any sport, but certainly in today's college football, that is not an easy thing to establish with all of the other things that are going on now with the transfer portal and with the NIL and, uh, and all of the things that are, always there on college campuses with, uh, you know, jealousies and 
you know, I want this and I think I deserve that and, and all of that. I, I, what James Franklin and the staff have done, and I think they deserve a, a ton of credit, and obviously the kids and the families they come from deserve a ton of credit too, but it is a big deal to be able to create a culture of selflessness and truly wanting to put the, the team first. And I just think you are seeing every indication of it from what the, the coaches are telling us is happening, like James Franklin telling us about the tight ends not complaining after game one. But then you can, again, just see it. You put the binoculars on the sidelines, and as these guys are coming off after a touchdown drive, uh, I mean, Singleton and Allen are over there, and they're patting Tank on the back and uh, and Potts when, when he was in there earlier. I, I just I love what you're seeing. Uh, and I just think it, it bodes well. Again, I don't know exactly how this season is going to go, obviously. I don't know exactly what this team is going to be able to accomplish. But they are giving themselves every chance to have a championship type of season, Big Ten and national championship type of season. They are doing all of the little things that you can see and hear about to give themselves, again, that the best opportunity to make this what everybody's hoping it will be. And I think there's a part of it where James Franklin, I believe he's trying to cultivate this idea that, you know, you have Nick Singleton and you have Catron Allen and that, hey guys, it's good for both of you that you're not wearing yourself out here in college, getting 35 carries a game. The people who make the decisions on Sundays, they know how good you are. Nick Singleton, you don't need 25 carries per game. But I think it also goes through some of the other positions. And you made the point of tight end. They didn't get fed the ball in game one. Nobody complained. But I think James Franklin made the point, though, to get them the ball in game two, right? And I think that is part of it, too, is that that I think these guys, there's that trust factor. I think the players trust the coaches. You know, I think part of it is, and I don't think I don't think they didn't say anything because, hey, if we don't say anything, I think Coach will feed us the next week. It's not not that, but I do think they feel good about the coaches recognizing the situations and that the coaches are there to to put them, the players, in the best chance to succeed. And I think when you have a situation like you had the first week, for whatever reason, it just worked out they didn't target the the tight ends it didn't need to worked out fine but I think when the coaches come back and clearly intentionally made sure they were getting targets uh the following week I do think even for selfless guys right you feel good that hey coaches recognized our abilities recognized that they didn't exploit that in the first game gave us a chance to do that in game two I do think that goes a long way in terms of just fostering everything we've been talking about and that that trust component between players, coaches, uh, and, and teammates. And I just think what we're seeing to this point is really remarkable in everybody kind of understanding in order for this team to get where they want to go, you've got to be ready when you're called upon and you've just got to trust that you will be called upon. You have the ability, you're going to be called upon at some point this season. And we're seeing it not just with the receivers, the running backs. I found that fascinating that a week ago, press conference, 
James Franklin made such a point of saying, Catron Allen, you know, we got a 1A and 1B, not a 1 and a 2. And recognize Catron Allen. Sure enough, Catron Allen got 19 carries to Nicholas Singleton's 12. I'm not sure last year there was ever a game where there was that disparity in the number of carries. It's it's interesting. It's showing that, every as you said, the coaches recognize when those things are happening, I believe, and making sure everyone gets fed. And, yep. you know, that just makes it a better environment. I also want to hit, you brought up another point that was I found interesting. You were there at the game. I, I was not at the game. I had a, a wedding to attend, so... I watched the game on Sunday, on uh, the TV broadcast of it, and watching the Bo Prabula come off and Drew Aller's interaction with him, or the one Dom DeLuca, when he had the interception return for a touchdown, you would have thought he just scored the game-winning touchdown against Ohio State or Michigan as time was running out, the way that bench went to him. And this was already a 49 to 7 game at that point, Jeff. Yes. And that gets me to thinking, too, because James Franklin talked a little bit about DeLuca and just what he brings to the table and the consistency and everything. And that got me to thinking during the press conference and listening to Franklin on Saturday how many great stories he has about. Just about every individual probably does have them for every individual. But, I mean, we've heard so many already. He talks about how Cam Miller is just the epitome of what you want in a college football uh, player and somebody representing your university. Obviously, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen brought in leadership as freshmen into the the running back room, and and that's been talked about often. I think – Keandre Lambert-Smith is obviously emerging big time as a leader now. You know, I think Johnny Dixon's story is is just fascinating and, and his um, sacrifices to get where he's at and to be part of this. And you just, again, you can go down the, the long list. I just think there's so many great, compelling personal stories, and it's fun to see them all come together and have – you know, what I think is going to be a pretty special moment this season. I I do too. All right. That is it for quarter number two, Jeff. We'll get back to on the field quarter number three. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. We're still going over this Penn State-Delaware game. And, Jeff, it was like almost everything was good that went on in this game. However, if you want to find the negative, there was one play, okay? 
Delaware running back, breaks it open, 66-yard run on that one carry. And just to show you proportionally how much of the offense that was, they rushed for a total of 122 yards. That run alone was more than half the rushing yards. They threw for 58 yards. That one rush was more than they passed for all day. But, you know, I see on social media and all, because of that play, I'm still not sold on Penn State's rush defense. (laughs) So do we have a concern there, Jeff? Here is what I would say. I, I don't think it's a concern. I do wonder until I see it against a Michigan, and there's only one Michigan on the schedule. That's the good news. You know, maybe you throw Ohio State in there. I thought going into the season, Illinois might be a good test. And again, I guess I shouldn't dismiss them, but man, I don't see uh, how the Illinois team that's uh, been out there so far this season uh, poses any kind of a, a risk to Penn State in that regard. I, I do still wonder about the interior of the defensive line, and it's not that I worry about the skill set uh, or the heart, uh, but it, it's a size thing. And you know, an offensive line like Michigan's and running backs like Michigan, if they get it going, uh, there's not many defenses that are going to stop them. I mean, it wouldn't be like you got to hang your head in shame. I can't believe you gave up 200 yards rushing to Michigan, but can this team rise to the occasion against a team and program like that? And we're just not going to know the answer. They can put up whatever numbers between now and then, and I'm still going to have the question until I see them do it against Michigan. But in terms of overall concerns for the season, no, I, I think they're, they're just fine. I think they are good. Uh, exactly how good, again, we'll find out as as the entire season plays out. But, yeah, <laughs> you are not going to be perfect. Uh, no matter who you're playing, you're going to have a play here or there where it's like, oh, man, we we blew that. And the penalty thing, I know James Franklin's harping on it, and I, you know, I have a few friends who are concerned about it. If – it was a trend in the first two games. You had seven plus penalties, something like that. Then I'd be concerned. I'm just not. Maybe I should be, but I don't think it's any kind of a trend. We'll see what happens this week. I suspect this will be a pretty clean game by Penn State against Illinois because I'm pretty sure it'll be a point of emphasis, as it always is, but I think it'll be a little extra emphasized this week. I just I don't think there's a lot of great concerns. The, you know, the kicking game probably is still the, the biggest concern uh, in terms of the place kicking. But I think with what Falcons did on Saturday, I, I'm not sure I'm overly concerned about that right at the moment. Now, again, when we get to a 43-yard field goal that uh, they need to win the game, yeah, there'll be some concern there until you, you get that done. But overall, I just don't have a lot of uh, concerns about what this team is capable of doing and I'm not worried about a play here or there that they don't look fantastic on and again with that specific play Jeff everyone a a year ago I think the worst thing that James Franklin did was his quote after the Michigan game where he talked about size and I think he did that prior to watching the tape 
because later on the quotes were more about um, maintaining their gap, gap integrity. And they were making mistakes, and I, and watching the replay of that game, what I saw, and one of the quotes, and I don't know if it was Manny Diaz or James Franklin or one of the players themselves, they talked about trying to do too much, overplaying, and then there's a cutback, and I lost my gap responsibility. And the interesting thing was on that specific play, it wasn't about the middle of the defensive line. And again, I watched the replay. I knew what was coming. I stopped it. I replayed it. And hating to single out players, but it looked like Tyler Elsden was the one responsible for that gap. And the middle took care of business. But he came, he went for the fake up the middle and didn't need to be there if the handoff was given he would not have contributed to the tackle he needed to maintain his gap responsibility so i don't and i'm not saying this proves the defensive line is up to the task against michigan i'm saying you can't i don't think you could use that specific play as evidence that go "Uh uh-huh if delaware can do that to you just think what michigan would have done when they're bigger and stronger right No doubt. And over the course of the game, yes. Do you want everybody being disciplined and doing everything they should on every play? Sure. And that's what the coaches are going to be coaching up and talking about in the film room and on the practice field. And that's fine. Realistically, you're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with aggressive young men trying to make plays for you. And every now and then, the most seasoned of them. And sometimes it's to your benefit, right? Like sometimes a senior just has an instinct and it's like, Oh, I know this is my gap, but I see this play and they go make the play <laughs> for you. Right. And it's, and right, everybody right. praises. So it's like, so, you know, some of it is just kind of trusting the, the, the process as, as it goes along and getting that feel for the game. And until you get those types of instincts just from playing enough yeah, you got to make sure you're taking care of your responsibility. And the coaches would tell you, you need to get, take care of your responsibility uh, no matter what. But you get some leeway and as you go along and you prove that uh, you can make those plays, it's just just like we were talking about last week with the kickoff or the punt returner that occasionally makes a, a play that you're like, no, 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 don't do that. Oh, yeah, no, that was great. Thanks. <laughs> it got us an extra 30 yards, broke it for a touchdown. Fantastic. So, yes, until those plays happen, you're going to ask everybody to do exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's fine. It's just not realistic because of the nature of the game. It's funny you bring that up because, to your point, James Franklin, was it just last week he brought up K.J. Hamler's uh, return against App State Yes, uh, late in the game. And uh, James Franklin, he literally said it was, oh, no, 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 yes, you know, after he accomplished something. The problem is, in Hamler, you have a special player. And unfortunately for Tyler Elston, he couldn't make that commitment and be athletic enough to get back and still make the tackle after he made the mistake. Right. He did get, you know, reach out with an arm and, uh-oh, realize the mistake. But this was not a, you know, 
Micah Parsons type player who could make that anticipation play and then react to it. So, but the other part that I thought was fascinating, and I was looking at the, again, the, the post game stats, the um, 21, 21 defensive players recorded a statistic in this game, Jeff. It really was amazing. And and nobody has eye-popping numbers for Penn State coming out of the game. You didn't have anybody with like double-digit tackles or but the number of players that made contributions and solid plays and obviously the DeLuca interception was the highlight of the defensive play, but man, what that group as a whole was able to do on Saturday was very impressive and we keep talking about the depth on this team and it's just fun when you get to see that depth on display and really start to get a feel for what these guys can do in in actual games and I just think this game in particular I do think is going to pay dividends down the road for this team and this program I, I you you just cannot replace game experience and regardless of the opponent getting out there in front of that crowd against a team that's trying to do things against you uh, and being able to make plays and now this week make adjustments to what you did in that game on film and in practice it's just invaluable and I just again I, I think you know there may be folks that aren't happy that the the power five schools play games like this but I just think there's obviously financial a financial benefit for both Penn State and Delaware and for all of the teams involved in these types of games. But building that depth, like actually getting the opportunity to have that depth showcase itself and build upon game experience, to me, is really valuable for a program like Penn State. Count me, Jeff, as one of those who says these games shouldn't be played. I don't think they should. Um, my plan is, you know what? They should have this in the spring, okay? As a spring game, it would be a lot more interesting for Penn State. You could give Delaware a payday. You don't have to worry about, you know, all that depth. And even if it means starting your backups to get them that experience, like you're, that should be a spring exhibition game. But to James Franklin's point on this, it, you would have to do that across the board. Make it the deal, just like he talks about, that Penn State and Big Ten shouldn't have nine conference games while the Southeast Conference has eight. But as long as you're allowed to do this, take advantage of it, do it correctly, and the correct way is to get all the players in or as many as you possibly can. Uh, the other little note on the defensive statistics Remember a week ago we were talking West Virginia. Curtis Jacobs, 10 tackles, you know, all over the field, putting up the numbers. Abdul Carter barely making the stat sheet. Abdul Carter was the leading tackler. It was only four, but he had four tackles. Curtis Jacobs, no tackles, no assists, no tackles, or no sacks, no tackles for loss. He barely made the stat sheet. He's got, he had one quarterback hurry, Jeff. So I think the analogy there, like the offense is, certain games you're going to get fed and some games you're just not. That's just part of it. And so much of it is just going to have to do with matchups and 
schemes and you're going to have different personnel on the field for different games and yeah opportunities i i think all of that will <laughs> shake out on the wash as they say by the end of the season it definitely will all right that's it for quarter number three we promise to finish strong with quarter four stay tuned for that hey guys this is andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Jeff. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State, Delaware, and the number of players that got in was really great, fantastic experience for a lot of the young guys. I'm going to ask you about some of the others, but I got to ask you about Bo Perbola. He got in pretty early in the third quarter, Jeff, and got plenty of carries, got some throws in. Your impression of Perbola's performance? I am really impressed with him. I really am. I'm impressed with his command of the offense, his decisiveness when – He's out there running or throwing. And I just like the different dynamic that he brings to that offense. And I think it's just enough that opposing defenses throughout the season, I think are going to have to just have in the back of their mind that they've got to be prepared. Obviously, they'll focus on Drew Aller, but I think you, you can't just <laughs> prepare for Drew Aller. I, I still just have this... Uh, Sneaking suspicion, even though it it would be very un-James Franklin-like. I just I think in one of these big games, it's just going to be a series. And I I think it's just going to be a feel thing where he or Juricic are like, you know what? This defense is coming. They're scheming for, for Aller. And they're going to have a series or, you know, a, a group of plays ready for the offense to run with Bo in there. And just to keep a, an opposing defense completely off track in, in, you know, like an Ohio State or a Michigan game. So, uh, but I, I just love what we're seeing out of him and, and the way he runs that offense. Both of those guys, uh, obviously, we talked a lot about Aller, but I'd say many of the same things about Bo in terms of his command of the offense, his uh, comfort level with everything that he's seen and that he wants to accomplish, and in his teammates. I, I just think both of these guys exude confidence and have that kind of just cool demeanor that, yep, we got this, we're, we're good. And as we keep talking about with the, the depth, I just don't think there's a player, there's a bunch of players that I hope they don't lose at any point for any length of time this season, but I don't think there's – any player, Drew Aller included, that if they go down, uh, even for an extended period of time where you as a fan or anybody in the program has to throw their hands up and like, well, 
it could have been a great year, but now we're we're kind of uh, done. I just again across the board, I think they just have really good depth, and obviously you hope it it doesn't get overly tested, but it is remarkable to me how comfortable I, I think this team can be going too deep at at just about every spot on the roster and certainly including quarterback. I'm glad you brought that up. And I know there's the whole package for Bo kind of deal. My prediction is that it we won't wait to see it to like a Michigan or Ohio State game. I wouldn't be surprised to see against, say, an Illinois, somebody like that, where it's still a game, it's still in the first half, but you want to put it on tape for Michigan and Ohio State to see it. My bigger take, though, on it is the second part of what you said, which is the potential for injury. A year ago, Sean Clifford was healthy for every game. Say, you know, the Purdue game where Drew Allen went out for, came out for like a series. But if you remember two years ago, that's when the issue was. And having your starting quarterback make it to the gate all 12 times during the regular season I don't want to say it's the exception, but it may be 50-50 whether your starter goes every single game, Jeff. And I didn't like where this team was two years ago when they had to go to the two deep at quarterback. The last thing they need is a repeat of that, correct? Uh, You didn't like that, huh? You didn't like seeing the I did not, Jeff. I did not. Well, I guess you're one of those guys that just doesn't like seeing a season fall apart. Fair enough. I guess if you're one of those guys. Yeah, listen, I do think that the confidence that uh, Prabola gives you, I, I think, is is significant. I mean, I think it's a big deal uh, for this team and and for this offense that you aren't going to be sitting there holding your breath uh, if, if Aller does go down. Uh, for any reason. And I just think, again, it's a different dynamic, which I think actually kind of works to Penn State's favor too. I I know you can argue, listen, now the offensive players have to be ready. And certainly, you know, I think the biggest challenge there is the offensive line. Now you got to be ready in case uh, Bo takes off. But I, I just think overall, that's an advantage for your team that you have two two really good quarterbacks that bring completely different skill sets to the the table. I, I think that is a really nice position for Penn State to be in. It is. And we've been talking about how many guys got to play in this game. Who was it among the other the youngsters that you saw that stood out to you that got some game action against Delaware? Well, you know, Rojas, I, I, I like the way he kind of settled in. I think he's still... Out there, I I think we were talking earlier about maybe some of the guys just over pursuing being a little too aggressive. And listen, I, I think as a coach with a young player, you're going to take over aggressiveness over a guy that's just got a, uh, I don't know what to, to do any day. You can rein in the aggressiveness and uh, rechannel that. So uh, I'm not overly concerned about that part, I, I really, I, I probably got too fixated on on Dawkins, but I really was impressed with what he did in there uh, at center. I, I thought, uh, and even, and they moved him over to guard then uh, for, uh, I think it was just the one, 
one series, although I, it might have been a second series too, but the one series they moved him over to guard in the fourth quarter, I think, uh, toward the end. But I really was, I, and again, I'm kind of dialed in on him, so uh, probably too much so. But, I mean, he he did a great job. He just was uh, taking his guy uh, out every time. So um, I just – but I, really, I, I thought a lot of those young kids – acquitted themselves really well uh on the line in particular i mean through i guess throughout the uh the roster you could say that um i did like seeing tank get in there and, and just the uh reaction of the the team uh to him getting those legs churning uh that's just those are kind of fun stories to to follow for the the team uh but i just i thought as a whole i didn't watch every one of them so i guess i shouldn't say all of them did great but the ones that I noticed and the ones that I, I followed, I think did acquit themselves really, really well. I like seeing, I get so concerned about the offensive line and I think it's sensitive to what has happened there at this position over the last several years. And I think we've been so uh, trained to think, Oh, you know, these offensive, line, it takes like three or four years in the program before you could see these guys play that when I see a Javen Williams or a Donka get in the game early, and even you know a second-year guy like Drew Shelton or Vega Ioane playing significant snaps and more than holding their own, it makes you think, you know what? They'll still be okay come 24 if you've got these guys playing at such a young age now, Jeff. And I think that is part of the overall picture here for Penn State, right? Is listen, you're focused, understandably and rightfully so, on this season. But part of what James Franklin is trying to do is build that sustained success that you've seen at an Alabama, except for Texas Saturday night, <laughs> uh, and and Clemson and Georgia. I mean, that, that's what you're looking to to do you want to have success this season but what James Franklin is trying to do is get Penn State in a position where year in and year out Penn State is at least among the contenders uh, both in the Big Ten and in the national picture and I think you're I think you're seeing this program take that next step this year to where regardless of how this season plays out and again I still have very high hopes for how this season plays out but you know, if it is a great year, I don't think you look at it and say, well, it'll be a while till they get back there again. Or if they do fall short of their goals, I think you still look at it and you're like, well, next year then might be the, the year. And that's what you want. That's what the, the big time programs have year in and year out. And it's not to say you're going to be competitive every year, but you want to set that expectation where, yeah, much more often than not, we're expecting to be a 10 win or more program. And that's not an easy thing to do, but it starts with getting the caliber of players that Penn state has in, in the numbers that Penn state now has. And I wasn't going to go off this way, but since you brought up Texas, Alabama, <laughs> I watched that game. And yes, there's this thing about having, and we talked about it uh, most of this hour about the depth everywhere. But Texas beat Alabama because Texas had the better quarterback. And I think when you have a Drew Aller, and I'm circling back to that, all of a sudden, I think Penn State goes into almost any game where you say, 
Penn State has the better or at least can match anybody at quarterback, which was not the case before. And it's and it's the decision making, right? Like I think Alabama will be a much better team as that season goes along. I, I think they'll get it figured out and and be better at quarterback. I, I don't know whether they'll go back to the playoffs, but I mean I think they're gonna be still a really good team. But the decision making at quarterback cost them big time uh in that game Saturday night. And as I keep saying, I, I'm not sitting here telling you that Drew Aller can't possibly have a bad game at some point this season or in his career, but you feel confident and comfortable with his decision-making and that if he has a bad game, it's it's going to be that a couple of throws got away from him, not that he didn't see the coverage or he made the, the wrong decision. Um, and I, that is a big difference. And it's, when you start looking around college football or really football at any level these days, yeah, it, it really does start at quarterback and a lot of other things that need to come in play. You can have a great quarterback, and if that's all you have, I'm not saying you're going to win games, but when you have a really good quarterback, and Penn State has at the very least a really good quarterback, you're giving yourself a an excellent chance uh, to be in every game, and I just think that's where Penn State is at with uh, with Drew Aller. I, I agree. I feel like Clemson won because they had Trevor Lawrence. LSU won because they had Joe Burrow. If Penn State's going to win like that, we're going to be saying it's because they had Drew Aller. All right, Jeff, that's it for our show. How about we do it again later this week? Yeah, what the heck. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. We'll I'm see on. you all then. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.